The Forum at 8 with Polani Guala. 10 minutes after 8. Good morning. Welcome to the Forum at 8 here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Well, there's been very strong reaction, if you will, following an announcement yesterday by the University of KwaZulu-Natal that it has approved a rule that forces all students registering for undergraduate degrees from next year, unless exempted, to pass or obtain a credit for a prescribed Isizulu module before they graduate. Uh, the UKZN made that announcement yesterday, and uh, just to give you an idea, of some of the reaction that has come through. I've got a couple of emails here. Maybe let me just take two. Uh, one from Aubrey Murudu in Orchards in Pretoria North who says, my take is that that approach is wrong. Learners from primary level up to secondary are not being taught South African vernacular languages for not uh, known reasons. Then post high school, they are expected to learn home languages, which might be out of reach for them. What needs to be done is to reintroduce our languages back to primary schools, which will form the base at university level. That's one view. Another view came through from uh, Mabuza, Stanley Mabuza in Gwenyen in Pumalanga province who says, The proposed policy by the UKZN is, is, is myopic in its nature. It seeks to divide the country and has an element of exclusion and gatekeeping to non-Zulu-speaking students. Uh, are we to expect that the University of Venda in Limpopo will now introduce Chivenda as a compulsory course to all undergraduate students? When we speak of transformation in our tertiary institutions, we do not invite the introduction of unpopular policies by senseless individuals who are intent at institutionalizing tribalism in our public institution. You cannot force an Indian child uh, who wants to study at the UKZN to now include Zulu in their program. I'm not being tribalistic, but I'm afraid some people are trying to force their language and culture upon all groups in the country. Stanley Mabuza in Gwenyeni. Let me just take one SMS here. Uh, there's an SMS as well that came through from um, Olisi who says... Academic tyranny of the highest order this. Flawed decision driven by ridiculous ideology and perpetuated by African languages academics uh, trying to drive employment of um, their graduates. What if Afrikaans universities follow suit since it is a widely spoken home language? Let students choose the skills they need. That's an policy on, on SMS. Right then, why this decision? Let's welcome on our lines Professor Renuka Vital, Deputy Vice Chancellor at the University of kwazulu Professor Vital, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for listening. Thanks indeed for your time. Let me also welcome Naledi Mbude Shade. Naledi Mbude Shade, who is the Director of Language and Education Policy in the Eastern Cape Department of Education. Uh, Ms. Mbude Shade, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Kulani Morning, and to your listeners. Thank you. There's also Dr. Tulani Mbuli, who is the chairperson of Isizulu National Language Board, uh, which is a pencil advisory structure. Uh, very good morning to you, Dr. Mbuli. Uh, good morning, listeners, and good morning, Professor. Thanks for your time. Let me start with the professor then. Professor Vital, take us back. The, the Senate made this decision yesterday unknown, but what is the rationale? Um, thank you for this opportunity. I think um, maybe it is necessary to clarify uh, exactly how we plan to do this. First of all, the university is implementing um, uh, the recommendation which arises from the language policy and plan which was approved by Senate and Council some time ago. And this is one specific initiative which is going to require students to develop some level of proficiency in Isizulu by the time they graduate. However, right. the, the exact uh, type of proficiency, the level of proficiency, 
will vary from program to program. All right, uh, Prof, let, let me just uh, sort out because the, the sound quality is quite bad. It's going to be difficult for people to, to hear. Uh, let, let me put you back to uh, Misho. Misho is going to sort it out for us in a minute. Let me, uh, in the meantime, be getting reaction from my other guests. Uh, starting perhaps with uh, Ms. Mbudashale, your reaction to this announcement yesterday? Wonderful. That's all I can say. It begins to take the constitutional provisions to fruition. We need a road that started on the similar path, uh, not in the sense that having uh, having to pass a module, but they have been doing this. Pretoria has been doing this, but we, we are on the are definitely on the right path. Should we be forcing students though to take these uh, these modules? I will always use the example of HIV/AIDS. If people don't condomize, they will get AIDS. The responsibility of universities and government and NGOs and everybody else is to say, you need this for you to have a better life, better skills tomorrow. And that is exactly what we should be doing. All right, let's see if we can go back to the professor. I believe that the line is, pro- is much better now. Professor, you were still taking us to, uh, through the, the, the rationale, through the objectives yes. of the plan. So, um, in addition to this being um, something that we have been deliberating at length in our language policy and plan, which which we are implementing, is that we, as a university, in our policy, value uh, multilingualism and, in our case, bilingualism in particular. So, the long-term intention is to develop Isizulu as an academic language, and to and it, it's our view that uh, promoting bilingualism, having students who are competent. Uh, in English and at least one African language, and in our case, we've chosen um, Isizulu uh, uh, for uh, of maybe obvious reasons. It's the it's the most widely spoken language in the province where we are, and it's also the most widely spoken African indigenous language in the country. So um, that that was a decision that was made some time ago, which we are implementing. Um, and so when we're saying compulsory, I think people are just um, picking up on the notion of compulsory. But what we are in fact saying that um, uh, being bilingual, having competence and proficiency in both English, which is in fact a requirement, you can't come into a university, in our university, into any degree unless you've passed English. Um, we are now saying that it's, it's, it's in fact um, a good strategy to promote social cohesion, to uh, give students an important graduate attribute to be able to have some proficiency in at least one African language. Right. Uh, uh, but what will happen? Will you have to pass it in order to, I suppose, move to the next level? Well, in the different degree programs, it, it will be integrated in different ways. So I could give you the example of the health sciences that is already in place. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the health sciences, students who register for a degree uh, are assessed at the beginning of the year uh, in, in for proficiency in Isizulu. And if mm-hmm. they are found to be competent, um, they are exempted from taking a module. If they found not to be competent, then they are required to take an additional module, take a module in Isizulu, which is specifically designed to assist them to have some proficiency in Isizulu when they are interacting as health professionals. So what we are intending and are in fact in the process of developing is how this requirement will be integrated into the existing curricula. So in some degrees, 
uh, it is already there as a as an option of several options where you have to take, say, English, Isi Zulu, and we still have Afrikaans, which is a remnant from from our past. And we're saying uh, that should be Isi Zulu because our students are predominantly going into an environment as a professional. Uh, or in, in the work environment in which having Isi Zulu will add value to the, the attributes as a graduate. Hmm. But, Professor, did you expect the kind of reaction that we're getting? I mean, I've just read emails now, people yeah. completely opposed to this, uh, some yeah. saying it's academic tyranny, others saying that it promotes uh, uh, tribalism. Well, let me just say that I suppose it depends where you get your information. We have had a, an overwhelmingly positive reaction to hmm. this. Um, and, of course, we have been deliberating on this within the university. This has, it has taken more than a year of discussion within schools and colleges and with our various uh, SRC bodies. So it's not something that just, uh, uh, you know, came, came out, uh, out of the blue uh, by the management or anything like that. It's something that has been built from our transformation charter, which specifically um, indicates that we have an intention to develop Isizulu as an academic language. In our language policy and plan, which was approved by our Senate and Council in 2006, we have uh, implemented various aspects as we are becoming more and more bilingual in all aspects, not only in the academic programs, but also in terms of the general university environment. So, so that is something that is um, has been deliberated at length, and mm. it's um, part of a process that we are transforming the university. Interesting. Let me read you some SMSs here, Dr. Mbule, before before I get your your thoughts on this issue. Um, uh, there's one, for instance, from Lamule who says, "I love it. African Renaissance language carries rules of thinking." Uh, but another one from uh, Mike Timunye: uh, "Lack of mental liberation continue to enslave some blacks. They see themselves as more white than black in that they hate uh, their own vernacular languages, but eager to learn Afrikaans, French, or Greek." Um, but uh, there's also somebody who says, "Tribal chauvinism." That's Katrin Pulugwane. Uh, another one from Mapula. I don't like the idea. Why Zulu language? It seems Zulus want to dominate our country. This must apply to all universities. That's Tabo, by the way. Uh, there's also another one that says, This policy is nonsensical and ridiculous. Why force people to learn a language against their will? South Africa needs to guard against the emergence uh, of tribalism. Okay. Um, well done, UK ZN. The point, though, that these SMSs are driving, Dr. Mbuli, is that there are divisions about how to receive this decision. Yes, there are. There will be, and it has been anticipated. But we congratulate University of KwaZulu Natal actually to see the need to advance what is said in the Section Six of the Constitution. By the way, this goes back, uh, as you are aware, Perpetua, that in our epoch of history, language has been a centre of resistance from 1976. And in 1993 in Cordesa, there was an issue of uh, language. Hence, the Pencils Act 59 is older than our constitution. It was 1995 to promote uh, 11 official languages. I hope uh, people who come up with resistance, it's just because they don't read more. If you look at the policies of our tertiary institution, take, for instance, this versus Rand, it has taken to develop Isisutu. And in their preamble, they have said 
uh, the university in Wazulu Natal shall uh, develop Isizul. And uh, Professor Vital was very courageous and the University of Wazulu Natal to take that stride and we congratulate them because those are the five imperatives of our constitution, okay. section 29, language and education, that a learner is eligible to be taught in the language of his choice. And in this regard, uh, we are saying Isizulu must be taught. And it must be clear, Perpetua and the listener, that our strength is in our diversity. Okay. As we've got 11 languages, those 11 languages need to promote it. We are very fortunate as South Africa. And here, we've got various languages, and we need to ensure that all these languages are developed. A practical example that I want to put in the fore mm-hmm. uh, is metric results. Yeah. Those uh, 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 provinces that are multilingual or bilingual, mm-hmm. their results always are top five. And those are monolingual, like Wazunulatan, Eastern Cape, Limbombo, their results are appalling. Why? Because, like Western Cape, always is number one. Student, if he's got a problem with a question in English, he turns to Africans and understand clear uh, uh, the, the question. Here, we are not bringing the anti colonialism situation, but we are saying languages must complement each other. Okay. Right, let me do this. Let me take a break. Uh, 23 minutes after 8. When I come back, the lines are open. 0891 that, that number again. Um, 0891-104-208. 0891-104-208. I'll be taking SMSs at 34701. 34701. Email me at guala at in 2004, Dimension Data pioneered sustainable transformation by supporting grassroots organizations in rural areas, providing training, support, and finance. Since then, the 35 groups in our Community Development Trust have brought hope and dignity to 45,000 people in all nine provinces. In the last eight years, we have changed the lives of over 80,000 South Africans. Get our whole transformation story at dimensiondata.com forward slash ZA. Dimension Data. Accelerate your ambition. Join me, Hilton Tarrant, every weeknight at 6 for the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. With breaking business news, expert analysis, investment insights, and the story behind the story, we're helping you make sense of the markets and your money. That's the Market Update, weeknights right here on SAFM at 6. Hugo is 100% committed to loyalty. He never repeats what's said behind closed boardroom doors. He's kept Gloria on as his PA since day one. And he's even stayed true to the same firm, 16 years and three name changes later. But even Hugo can't resist the lure of Audi's latest guaranteed Uber offer, which guarantees the future value of the Audi A6, Audi A7 Sportback, Audi A8 or Audi Q7 in three years' time. But I won't change my leather driving gloves, Hugo thought, loyally. Visit audi.co.za for more about Audi's latest guaranteed Uber offer. Audi. Vorsprung durch Technik. The Forum at 8 with Kolani Guala. Let me quickly go to Eddie in Cape Town. Good morning, Eddie. Uh, good morning, Kolani. Hi, welcome. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thanks. Uh, I'm um, good, thanks. Um, that's a very interesting... Um, Debate you having there. Um, yesterday, I actually posted something after this thing came up on News 24. Mm. Um, my my first thing is just to the professor there. Um, she she dodged your question when you asked it. Um, for you to get your degree and and qualify, 
um, if Isizulu is part of the curriculum, must you pass it to get your degree at the end of the um, your three years of study or four years of study? I, I think that's that's the one question she needs to answer for us. Because for me, the, the problem there, Tolani, is um, you find that you would have passed all your, your, your subjects or your courses, and you can't graduate until you have passed that one course, which will be Isizulu, and obviously maybe you're not really made out to really be proficient in it, and therefore um, university education is very expensive, and if, to keep someone there forever so that they end up passing Isizulu, which will not actually help them in the business world, it will be very unfair. Okay. That's, my, that's my first thing. My second thing, <coughs> Tolani, is um, I've, I've traveled Africa, you know, um, um, I've been in Botswana, and the one thing that um, uh, um, 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 I'm hoping that South Africa society is very active and will not allow is where, um, for example, in Botswana, if you go to the other areas where Botswana uh, is not really uh, a predominant language, they're being forced to learn Botswana. Otherwise, if you, you're not proficient in Botswana, you will not get government jobs or all of those things. Or, and, and the other example would be uh, Zimbabwe as okay. well. I've, I've worked there in Zimbabwe. And the people of Zimbabwe, for example, in Matebele land, um, will be telling you that um, <coughs> a, a Shona-speaking teacher will be imposed to their kids in, in Matebele land, where Isindebele is predominantly the language. But okay. you can't have a developed teacher being going the other way. So I'm hoping, um, because the president is Zulu and the minister for education is Zulu, we're not going um, towards that kind of language hegemony where um, okay. people are forced to do what they're not supposed to be doing. Okay, Eddie, 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 thank you very much. Thanks indeed. Let me take okay. JR in Johannesburg before I get my guests to respond. JR, good morning. Morning, morning, Polani. Hi, welcome. Uh, the, move, the move is commendable by the UCZN. However, um, I would like to see it being rolled out throughout the country without any apology whatsoever, because it's incorrect. In the 21st century, for my kids to be taught in Afrikaans, when in fact I fought against Afrikaans in 1976. That's number two. Number three, um, it, you know, I think the move could also be a, 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 a quick win for mm-hmm. the country, when in fact the, the biggest flop or loss is at high school and primary primary levels where kids should be taught in the language of choice. Right now, kids, our kids go to private schools. They're first, they're first in this day and age to be taught in Afrikaans, which is incorrect. We taught Afrikaans as a second language of choice when we have a Sosoto, etc. And in fact, we find wild domination, perpetuating or, or pushing our kids to learn Zulu, for example, because they've got a need as as white parents or white white capitalists to okay. teach and learn and learn to Zulu. Um, uh, um, in in Pretoria, for example, where in fact the language of domination right there is the baby. Okay. And the last point, Tanzania is a two-thirds dog because. There, there, there are nowhere to be found where okay, you need to talk to somebody. Thank All right, JR, thank you. Uh, let me ask uh, Professor uh, Vital to respond to that question from Eddie. Yes, um, yes um, the, the short answer is yes. But what it will, and, and, and the 
point to be made here is that we are integrating the requirement into the degree. So depending on the actual degree and whether the, re- the requirement can be built into the degree, for example, it can be a- integrated into an existing module. It can be built into electives. It can be a standalone module in a particular degree. So different degree programs are building in the requirement that you have some proficiency in Isizulu in different ways. So, of course, if you are to be deemed having completed a degree, you must meet all the requirements of a degree. So where the, the requirement of Isizulu proficiency is an, in, uh, built into an existing module, you obviously have to pass the module to be regarded as having completed all the requirements for the degree. So... Um, and I, I, one other point I wanted to make is mm-hmm. that the the way the rule is very flexible, and mm-hmm. um, and and will also enable a degree program to say, for example, that um, if a student has passed Isizulu at school at level four, which means 50% and above as a home language, mm-hmm. then they would be exempted from it. So if you if we if I just give you a, a quick snapshot of at the moment. At UKZN, um, more than 60% of our students state that Isizulu is their home language of, of a new entrant. So mm-hmm. if I take the 2012 new entrants, first time registering for undergraduate degrees, of the uh, six to 7,000 students, 60% already um, have taken Isizulu, say Isizulu is their home language, and have taken Isizulu at school. At least 50% of them have passed it um, at level four. So where a degree program might uh, make the provision that if you've already passed it, you will not be required to take it, that will be built into the program. So I think the way the rule will be implemented is is very flexible and will enable it to be done in a variety of ways that becomes uh, part of the existing learning outcomes that the degree is uh, intending to All achieve. Right. All right, uh, Ms. Mbuteshala, I'm going to ask you just to think a little bit about the, the concern around what Eddie refers to as language hegemony. How, how then do you address that particular concern? But before you answer that question, uh, let me take the updates. I'm going to go straight to you immediately after all my updates because I would like you. It seems to me that it's bubbling under. That's the fear that I, a lot of people are having about what they refer to as, as language hegemony. Uh, but first, let's take uh, your news update from Vabakshini Chetty. Thank you, Mr. X. A media briefing is expected to be called early next week to release government's findings of its probe into the alleged unauthorized landing of the Gupta family private jet. Yesterday, government committed to making public the findings. And here's a wrap of this morning's top stories. Pan-African Investment and Research Services economist Dr. Iraj Abadian says unions have completely lost their integrity. He also says he believes government has underestimated the magnitude of the problem at Lonman and Angloplatz. AMCO President Joseph Matunjwa has threatened to bring the country's economy to a standstill with a mass march over continued union rivalry in the Rustenburg Platinum Mining region in the northwest. More than 100 people have held a night vigil outside President Jacob Zuma's Durban home under the banner of the Right to Know campaign. They say the Protection of State Information Bill should not be signed into law as it will rob South Africans of vital information. 
And the lawyer of pediatric oncologist, Professor Cyril Karabas, has confirmed that his client is on a flight from Abu Dhabi to Cape Town and he's expected to land just before midday. That's how it's looking for now. I'll bring you a full news update at 9. Traffic on SAFM. Well, the good news is it's a very good run. Anyone coming out of Pretoria wanting to get to Joburg, the N1 is absolutely clear this morning. The, the normal sort of backlog through Brockfontein, Old Joburg, Samrand, Olyphants, it's just not there. Uh, there is a stationary vehicle before the Baclue interchange, so as you come through from Allendale Road, you hit a bit of traffic, and then as you pick up the Mike 1, it's slowed down as far as Marlborough Drive. Stationary truck N1 south, William Nicoloff Ramp, 15-minute delays from Ravonia Road, heading south in towards Four Ways, and just queuing traffic on the opposite side, Malabongwe Drive up towards William Nicoll Drive as well. N12 and R24 routes coming in from the east of Galilees are clear. That's good news. It's been problematic every other day of this week. But this morning, end of the week, it's a, it's a nice free flow. And Durban, a couple of problems on the N2 going southbound, stationary truck, Clare Road Bridge, uh, truck accident inside Spaghetti Junction. Traffic queuing from the Petroport Complex. It's about a, a 25 to 30 minute delay to get from Queen Nundy Drive uh, down into Spaghetti Junction. The earlier uh, vehicle accident on the N3 going into Durban after Spaghetti Junction, that's being cleared up. Cape Town Marine Drive is normalised. Big delays earlier this morning, but the traffic lights were fixed very quickly. Marine Drive and Broad Street, and that's uh, just restored normal flow of traffic out of Tableview. It's not too bad, actually, along the coast for a Friday. N1 queuing between Sable Road and the Kubo Gitter Change, and a bit of pressure on the N2, just moving through Pinelands up towards the uh, M5 interchange. Port Elizabeth, accident on Cape Road just after the hospital towards Mount Road has been cleared. Uh, traffic flow restored to normal there as well towards Central PE. Rob Byrne, AM Live, Traffic Watch. The Forum at 8 with Kolani Gwala. We're discussing a decision by the UKZN Senate. Yesterday they made an announcement that they have approved a rule that will force all students registering for undergraduate degrees from next year that unless exempted, they will have to pass or obtain a credit for a prescribed Isizulu module before they graduate. And your thoughts then? Uh, 34701 uh, 0891 but also my email address guala Let me read uh, one or two SMSs, one or two emails and go back to the lines. And Again, I would like uh, Ms. Naledim Budeshale to respond to my question just before the news headlines. And by the way, uh, Ms. Naledim Budeshale is a Director of Language and Education Policy in the Eastern Cape Department of Education. I've got also on the program this morning Professor Renuka Vital, Deputy Vice-Chancellor at the UKZN, as well as Dr. Tulani Mbuli, Chairperson of Isizulu National Language Board, which is a pan-salp advisory structure. Your thoughts? Uh, let's go to the emails. There's one from uh, Kwezi Jonas who says, Brilliant. We are an African country and it is time we stand up and build our African languages. Anybody who does not like that can go to England with their English. People must not be narrow-minded. Our kids at schools are forced to learn in foreign language English in order to appease our masters. Those days are now coming to an end. Corporation meetings in 25 years' time will be held in vernacular. People must wake up and learn. In Russia, the president has a translator. Brilliant. But why is Isizul? Is it because UKZN is in KZN? I'm going to ask the professor to respond to that question there uh, from Kwezi Jonas on email. A couple of SMSs, or in fact a whole lot of SMSs, including this one here from Tami Kaplaiki, uh, who says this is the best gift that the UKZN has given to Africa on the eve of the 50th anniversary of the, OA, of the AU. Our dream of a new Africa is not deferred. Tami Kaplaiki on SMS. Um, well done, UKZN. We need to celebrate our linguistic diversity. This is a major step forward. Zakira Dokrat on SMS. Uh, this is an African renaissance at its best. My 
Kuwe, Africa. And that's from Tagalani. Um, well done, UKZN. We need to celebrate. I okay, I've seen this. Ask these policymakers if their kids are taught in Zulu in public schools as we speak now. Honestly, uh, please. That's Muriechi in Durban. Douglas, the Stellenbosch should also make Africans compulsory then. Students having to study an African language is not new. When my daughter studied physiotherapy at UCT in the late 1990s, she had to take TOSA. That's nil on SMS. Um, before I go to the lines, let me ask Ms. Mbuteshala to respond to the fear that was expressed by, among others, Eddie, of, the, of what he refers to as language, um, you know, that there's going to be one language across. Uh, thank you, Falani. What grips us is called uh, linguistic habitus. It is simply as a result of the fact that we are prepared to be controlled. The hegemony of English is what people are prepared to accept. Uh, if it's another African language, then it's a problem. The fact that you cannot come into any university and do without competence in English is already pointing out to you that there was a deliberate decision to make English where it is today. Mm. So any effort to, to make sure that we implement what is contained in the language policy for education or for schools is that we begin to live out what is supposed to make benefits as a, as a, as a day for our students. Now, I'm just going to refer to the fact that um, what UKZN has done with ISIZUL, Fort Hesh will be doing this closer, it, the, the composition of the linguistic composition of the students should determine what language or which language. So the issue people are saying, Guti, you know, because this is the case and, and trying to dominate us and all of that is purely because the linguistic landscape of the university demands that you do not, you are not forced to come out of university having to struggle with the language that you struggle with in primary school. You come out and the company that employs you, because you have so little uh, cognitive skills, because the mother tongue did not offer any value to you, you, you are then retrained again. Now, so the second thing that is important, which uh, one of the callers or SMS people uh, sent to Golani, is the fact that UCT has done that before. If you want to qualify in any uh, science field, whether you're a doctor or a physiotherapist, as you are saying, you are going to serve the committee in Kailisha. Those people do not understand your English. Whether you are Indian or Africans or English-speaking, the service delivery point for you is going to be at the community. Now, it is the responsibility of universities to make sure that the graduates who come out of these institutions can actually be of service to our people without relying on, on a monolingual kind of a paradigm where everybody must speak English, otherwise I can't serve you. That is what the whole thing, the logic is behind the whole thing of language policy implementation, hmm. and um, I support that. Okay, let, let me take uh, Professor Kashula at the uh, at Rhodes University. Professor, good morning. Hello, Kolani Puti. Hi, how are you? I'm fine, thanks, and you? I'm good. Uh, thank you very much. Your thoughts on this? And well, I've spoken to you before about issues of language, and, and uh, of course you speak Kosa uh, at, from Rhodes University. What do you think about this decision by UKZN? Yes, um, Polani. I mean, um, I think a, a decision to make uh, a language compulsory is always going to be somewhat controversial in South Africa, given our, our history. But, um, you know, it's, it's important to note that as universities, there's an onus on us to actually uh, develop African languages and to promote multilingualism and I think to bring language back to the center of transformation because it seems to me we're liberated as individuals who live in this country, but our, our languages remain in bondage in many respects. Um, 
I think also to note that um, I think the, the hegemony issue is raised because it's now uh, happens to be University of KwaZulu-Natal and Isizulu. But at other universities, we, we are working very hard also to promote languages and to intellectualize languages and to create meta-languages of, of learning for Isiklosa, for example, at Rhodes, where we already have uh, courses for Isiklosa for pharmacy, um, for journalism, both mother tongue and second language, for law, for education, and so on. So it's a question really, I think, of allowing universities to make decisions that suit themselves. Um, also, Tolani, you know, we're working very closely with UKZN um, and with other universities as well. And um, we, we heard something called the in- Chair in Intellectualization of African Languages, Multilingualism edu- and Education, as well as the Catalytic Project that is for concept development in various African languages uh, so that we can use our languages as languages of learning and teaching in time to come. And I think the point to note is, Gloani, as well, it's, it's not about English or the African languages, as Professor Neville Alexander would always say. It's about creating a mutually inclusive environment where our languages can be used as a resource in the intellectual environment. And I don't think we should make any apologies for that. Prof, the last time we had this discussion, one of the issues that came up, and you've touched on it, uh, maybe indirectly, was the issue of content, whether um, the University of KZN will find it difficult to teach this because uh, these languages have been ignored for such a long time, they've not been developed, they they perhaps aren't enough books and material and content to teach now. Is that a problem, do you think, Prof? Um, I don't think it's a problem. I think we develop concepts as we go along. And I think the longer we wait, the longer it's going to take for us to intellectualize our languages. Um, the way I understand UKZN um, is that it would be more vocation-specific language learning as we have here at Rhodes, and that it would be aimed more at second language speakers in order to create social cohesion. And as um, Naledi Mbudeshale has pointed out, we work in communities. We are not no longer ivory towers. Universities engage in communi- with communities. If you're a psychologist, if you're a social worker, if you're training to be a lawyer or an educationist, you work in that community in which your university is located for at least a number of years. So there's an onus on us then to be able to reach out to the community um, as vocation-specific language learners. The, the flip side of that, of course, is to intellectualize our languages at the same time and to create meta-languages in which we can also learn. And we had a multilingualism colloquium this very week here at Rhodes where uh, members of UKZN were also present. And... Um, we know, for example, like Dr. Mareka Dutoy is working on multilingual texts in both Isizulu, Isiklosa, and English in the teaching of history. So there are many ways in which languages can be infused into the curriculum. Can I just say, Kulani, it's not taking us to a tribalist, hegemonic kind of existence. Um, you know, Neville Alexander in his recent book states clearly that it's not um, the language that you teach in, if, if we get to the point of teaching in Isizulu or Isiklosa, it's about what you teach, and it's about how we teach it. Um, you know, contrary to what we think, English is not the only language in which we can intellectualize and create thought. And somebody's already mentioned that the Chinese, the Japanese, many countries in Europe, the Germans, the South Koreans are all intellectualizing in their mother tongue. This doesn't mean that they don't acquire good English. Yeah. And I think the point to be made is that um, if we use African languages or indigenous languages as a medium of instruction, we can acquire good English through the teaching of good English in an additive uh, bilingual model. 
And I think that the Department of Higher Education and Basic Education need to speak to each other in this okay. regard, and we need to have both a bottom-up and top-down um, interaction between the two departments uh, in order to fully intellectualize our language okay, and to create social cohesion. All right. Professor Kashula from Rhodes University, I thank you very much for your call. Much appreciated. Navari is in Elspeth. Hello, Navari. Morning, Colonel. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm fine. It's, a, it's not a bad thing altogether, but I think that the, the fear will be the consequences of, uh, of the aftermath of that program. Look, look, we, we, we do not want to treat universities as local, uh, uh, localized institutions. Those universities are international institutions. So if we are to speak about KZN and then we then relate to Zulu as the dominant language and therefore make it local, it will be very dangerous because if we are to reduce all the universities into localism, it will create and promote tribalism indirectly. While the intention is good that we need to promote African languages, but we should not make it compulsory. I think compulsory part of it is a problem. Okay. Let's find a, a mechanism to ensure that African languages are promoted, but to make it compulsory seems to be very ridiculous for me. So I think that maybe we should find other mechanism, but not impose languages to other people. I mean, I can't be, I'm a vendor from Limpombo, I'm going to fight in case of UKZN, I'm forced to speak Zulu now. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. Okay. So I think that we must find another mechanism to ensure that perhaps we diversify these languages in the universities, but not make it a local issue. Okay, all right. Interestingly, Thank I've also got uh, on the other line Professor Malikhapur Makhoba from uh, UKZN. Professor, good morning. Thank you. Uh, good morning, uh, Kalani and uh, the listeners of SFAM. Yeah. Your thoughts on yeah. this issue? Well, you know, this is a, a common sense issue that I think uh, most South Africans should welcome because this is part of really translating our, our constitution and our policies in higher education. And there is nothing about hegemony, I think, that is driving this concept within the university. Uh, we are doing just what many other countries that are proud of their identity, of their newfound liberations are doing, entrenching diversity, and may I say this, Paulani, yeah. when you are born into, into, a, into a family and you learn a language like uh, I'm Pedi speaking, mm-hmm. I didn't learn Pedi for business purposes. I learned Pedi because Pedi carries knowledge within me. It carries values within me. It carries a culture within me. And it's, a, it's an important language of the world. So when you introduce an African language, you're not taking anything away from what we're doing at the university, except that you are expanding the horizons of knowledge. I think one of your speakers uh, mentioned the fact that at university, which are knowledge institutions, mm-hmm. we carry knowledge in different languages, and that knowledge is buried in the language. And as long as we marginalize some languages, we are not able to tap in, into the knowledges that those languages carry. We are not going into this because we are trying to promote a business or you are able to, you know, to, to take advantage of Zulu as a language that is dominant uh, in the country and we want every university to do that. Sure. I think we are doing it from a very pe- specific, I think, perspective and demand. Uh, but, but that's prof, all I want to say. Uh, prof, yeah. just a very quick one before I let you go, because just before you came on, there was Navari who says uh, universities are international by their very nature. They're not localized. So what happens then? Yeah. So how do you deal with that issue? Well, well, let me let me answer very simply. Uh, if you if you went into 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 France, for example, uh, or if in fact if you came into UK, then we have French, we have German, we have Afrikaans, we have English. What's wrong with having Zulu? Doesn't that make it international? I am here, and I'm just telling you this, 
I come from Sukukuneland. Mm. I'm here. Uh, uh, I am not Zulu speaking, but I speak Zulu because I'm here. Mm. Has that actually diminished my ability to be a, a human being or a South African? I think it has actually enriched my well-being in terms of culture and value. So internationalization doesn't mean that you exclude indigenous African languages. In fact, it, is, it should be a requirement that we have these languages to experience internationalization in its fullest meaning. Okay. So I, I, I think he's, he's interpreting internationalization in a very wrong way. I think there are many people from Venda, many people from Pumalanga that come here and they learn Zulu. I, I came here as an 18-year-old. I didn't know Zulu. I know it now, mm. and I think it has enriched my life in the world as part of the international community. Professor uh, Mahoba, I really thank you very much for the call this morning. Professor Malikapuru Mahoba, who is the Vice Chancellor and Principal at the University of KwaZulu Natal. Tami Gaplaki, also on the line. Good morning to you, Tami. Tami, are you there? Oh, I've lost Tami. Musi in KZN, good morning. I'm losing some calls. I'm not sure what's going on there. Musi, are you there? Right, let me go back to my uh, panelists here. Uh, uh, Dr. Mbuli. Yes. Yeah, you've you've heard what uh, people are saying. Again, I would like you, if you may, uh, just to uh, make reference to that issue of language hegemony, uh, that fear that's coming up over and over again. How do you respond? There is nothing that we call uh, <laughs> what they are calling hegemony. Actually, if you read uh, language policies of various institutions like UJ, it has uh, said the University of Johannesburg will promote multilingualism and designate and University of Venda supports also to promote the Venda. And the Limpombo, University of Limpombo, must promote the Sotu. Uh, what is happening at, is by default that University of Guazulu Natal is located in the province where the majority of that language is spoken, like Isizul. But we are, are saying, uh, as you're quite aware, that uh, in Wazulu Natal, 88% of the speakers are Isi Zulu, and 8% is English, and 2% is Africans, and 2% is Isikosa. What we are saying, Wazulu Natal, University of Wazulu Natal is complying with the language policy of the province. Mm. Uh, every province has got language policy, and the, the tertiary institutions are putting that into the center to execute what their provinces are saying. But we as PENSALP, we are mandated with the task of developing and monitoring the language use. What Guazulu Natal is doing, actually they have seen forth what is coming because we as PENSALP, we are taking now the issue of language as a, a human rights issue. We are going to monitor and, and put people before the court of law those people who disadvantage certain people if they want to be taught in their language. Okay. We want to congratulate Guazulu Natal. As it happened, Polani uh, and the listener, uh, in 1935, Africans was not a language of academia. But what happened, many things have happened since 1935 and 65. Actually, 1935, the first Bible was written in Africans. Today, engineering is offered in Africans. Okay. We are saying... Those indigenous languages, Sivenda, Sizulu, Sitonga, and so on, need to develop to an elevated, to a parity esteem 
of the same uh, situation like Africans and English. Right. It's what we are doing as tertiary institution, and we want to congratulate all right. Let me, let me take some more thoughts here. There is, uh, Mukoni Rachitanga has sent me an SMS here that says, uh, there is nothing wrong with the UK's and language policy. African languages must become academic and scientific languages or risk extinction. How is it realized is, of course, another matter. That said, we must also acknowledge that all policies carry with them some level of compulsion, whether stated or implied in practical daily life. There are, however, two challenges. First, learners must be taught African languages at primary and high school, not only for them to pass at university, but also to give meaning to the necessary ideal of developing African languages. Second, their correctness or otherwise, the growing whispers of concern about the retribalization of South African society cannot and should not be under estimated. It is this grievance producing political environment which will pose a further challenge to an otherwise sound policy. Tamika Plaiki, what do you think about that? Thank you for your call. I want to congratulate Professor Malakha Pelegupuru and the University of the UK and the Council and the Senate for such a very brave, scaly move that they've taken. This is the best gift that they can ever give to Africa on the eve of the 50th anniversary of the AU on the 25th of May this year. To corner the times where our African indigenous languages are going to be undermined, as you said, one of the followers said, when people in Korea make a computer, they don't do that in English. The fallacy that things is the only medium through which intellectualism can be transmitted. It's false. Zulu, Tosa, all these our African languages can have greater esteem and intellectual rigor than English. Why must an African child leave home, study Africans from grade one until PhD level, whereas there are more Zulu speakers than the African speakers in this country? Zulu is even speaking in, in, in countries such as Zimbabwe, Devon is version of Zulu. Okay. So I just want to congratulate the university and the professor for daring towards other professors preside over universities and they leave them the way they found them. Okay, Tamika Plagio on the line. Thank you. Uh, some emails for you. Dr. B says, I'm a medical doctor, proudly closer speaking, and learning Sisutu, Sitswana, Sipedi, and Zulu uh, was the best thing that could have happened for my patients. Unlike some of my colleagues, I don't need nurses or clerks to interpret confidential patient information for me. That's Dr. B on email. Uh, another one, Kunda Tamai says, can the whole body that make decisions speak Zulu? If not, there is uh, really fair uh, there is it really fair to impose on others that which they cannot do um, that's Kuda Tamai on email another comment Good move by UKZN. However, my problem is that this should start at primary and secondary school level. I can't imagine a situation whereby a Zulu-speaking person is expected to pass the module without having done it at primary and secondary school. Luazi Apleni on email. This is uh, another one uh, from Unati, who says the University of Zululand, uh, this is UKZN, uh, is in the right direction by taking such a bold decision. This idea should be rolled out to other provinces as young graduates in the working environment. We have different ethnic groups whom at times find it difficult to deal with diversity. That's Unati eh, Mahanyana. Professor, a lot of people are suggesting that actually this should start at primary, secondary level before we even uh, impose it or, or force it at, at university level. What do you think about that? Yes, I think that um, certainly as, a, as higher education, sometimes maybe higher education needs to lead the way. Uh, perhaps it is something that's long overdue within the schooling system that um, all all our children should have competence in 
at least one uh, indigenous African language. Uh, Tanani, I think maybe just to step back and say, I think that um, uh, it, it's important to kind of see ourselves within a, a global world where multilingualism, just as a value, is valued. Being multilingual is a good thing. And uh, it's important that our education system provides opportunities for that. Uh, and and the, the more we are able to speak the different languages of our country and internationally, um, the more we're able to participate effectively in a range of different arenas in that global world. So the fact that UKZN is, has chosen through its policy and, and processes English and Isizulu is a specific choice that we have made. And just to ma- emphasize, that um, it's not a threat to English. Um, mm. We have over 2,000 programs which are currently running in English. What we are saying is that at most maybe an 8 or a 16 credit module might be required. We are saying that that might be even integrated into an existing module. So um, the, the, the requirement that we are making, in fact, um, is not as stringent as uh, is, is, I think, being made out. Many students don't study, for example, a Mandarin in school, but come to university and might study um, Mandarin or French or German uh, as a, a, for the first time because they want to acquire it. So what we are saying is that we'd like our students to have competence, some level of competence, not only in English, which is required, but also in Isizulu. Okay. And, and then maybe to, to add that we are, um, the longer term strategy which we are already beginning to implement is that alongside English, students are beginning to have the choice to take a module in Isizulu. I mean, for example, in psychology, to be able to t- do a program in Isizulu or train as a foundation phase teacher um, in education by taking modules in Isizulu. And that is a process that will, is, is ongoing uh, while we are developing uh, terminology in a range of areas uh, like economics, law, chemistry, physics. All these areas, are, there are a number of projects underway yeah. that are developing terminology. And this has also come about because we are piloting the offering of um, uh, tutorials in these areas in Isizulu. Yeah. So, so it's it's really how to uh, build um, the academic uh, Isizulu as an academic lo- language alongside English. Okay. Hey, let me just get closing thoughts very briefly from uh, Dr. Mbuli as well. Yes. Uh, we are saying what is happening at UK that and it's just a formalization of what has happened outside classroom. Yeah. Outside classroom students, they discuss the content of uh, the courses in their language. And it has been observed, like psychology, when they together they speak in, in Isizulu, discuss the content. Okay. We are saying we want to bring to the fore to the nation that Pencil, as per the new administration happened, we are vigorous taking action to make sure that Pensalp is, is, is ensuring that it fulfills its mandate. As of next week, we are meeting to ensure that few structures now are intact.
so that we begin to monitor okay. and fulfill what the constitution is mandating I'm us. So, I'm, I really, I'm sorry, I'm completely out of time. Uh, uh, I've got to thank you all for coming through, participating on the program this morning. Professor Renuka Vital, Deputy Vice-Chancellor at UKZN, uh, Naledi Mbudeshale, Director of Language and Education Policy in the Eastern Cape Department of Education, as well as Dr. Chulani Mbuli, Chairperson of Isizulu National Language Board, uh, which is a pan-self advisory structure. I thank you all for your time. I thank the team as well. They put all um, they put together the show this day and of course would like to thank you for listening to our program. We'll be back on Monday. You have a fine weekend. Cheers from all of us at AM Live.